Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In the markets this week, I'll be rerunning the dot-com bubble. How are investors playing the China route? And how have investors revised their interest rate expectations? For investors old enough to remember the dot-com bubble of the late 1990s, there are more than enough echoes in the markets to excite and worry them in equal measure. The stellar performance of stocks like Meta and Nvidia last year, and even more so in the first few weeks of this, is a reminder that when a bubble starts to inflate, it can be very painful to be sitting on the outside watching. NVIDIA shares have risen by 50% so far in 2024, and we're not even at the end of February yet. To begin with, the rally in the AI-focused tech stock seemed to be justified by remarkable and unexpected revenue and earnings growth, but now those fundamentals are becoming less important. NVIDIA shares are rising just because they're rising, as FOMO kicks in and investors jump on the bandwagon. That's reflected in the fact that the stock now trades on around 100 times its historic earnings. It's also seen clearly in the fact that just being linked to NVIDIA is having a galvanising effect on other company shares. News that NVIDIA had bought a stake in a few AI-related companies last week sent their shares soaring. A couple jumped by 50% in a week. The other reminder of the dot-com years has been the remarkable concentration of stock markets on both sides of the Atlantic. The Magnificent Seven story in the US is now well understood, but the numbers are still remarkable. Three stocks, Meta, Microsoft and NVIDIA, account for half of the entire gains of the S&P 500 so far this year. Add in the other four Mag7 companies, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon and Tesla, and they account for a quarter of the whole market capitalization of the US benchmark index. Actually, the concentration is even greater over here in Europe. According to Deutsche Bank, ASML, Novo Nordisk and SAP account for literally all the gains in the European Stock 600 index. Without their contribution, the index would have fallen slightly so far this year. What happened in the late 1990s and seems to be repeating itself today is that investors are hoping that the global economy is on the brink of a paradigm shift, a change in the fundamental productivity of the world's companies. Then it was the adoption of the internet that offered the promise of radical change and increasing profitability. Today, it's artificial intelligence. The internet did indeed change everything, but it took longer than the optimists expected and had priced into shares, and inevitably, the benefits were not shared by every company that reinvented itself by attaching .com to its name. If you'd picked the handful of real winners from those years, the likes of Amazon and Apple, you've reaped the rewards, but there were many casualties along the way. The latest AI paradigm shift narrative is nothing new. Even before the .com bubble, there was a long list of manias from tulips and railways, to the nifty 50 of the early 1970s. In each case, investors got ahead of themselves, the pendulum swung too far, and while some made fortunes, many others lost their shirts. No doubt, things will work out the same way this time too. This week, we'll get an important update on the AI story as NVIDIA announces results. It will be interesting to see whether the company still has the ability to surprise on the upside.
At the moment, everyone loves this stock, but forecasting its earnings trajectory over the next few years is anyone's guess. So, for the foreseeable future, its share price is an act of faith. As James Goldsmith famously said, when you see a bandwagon, it's too late. A key market question continues to be whether the infatuation with the MAG7 will spill over into the wider market. The equal-weighted S&P 500 index remains below its peak, which was hit more than two years ago now. For the time being, the market's love affair with a handful of tech stocks seems to be justified by the earnings differential between them and the rest. The price-earnings ratio of the S&P's 50 biggest stocks is 28 times historic earnings, while the bottom 450 trade on 21 times trading earnings. That's not a huge gap and compares very favourably with the 90% premium that the biggest shares enjoyed in the late 1990s and before that in the Nifty 50 period of the early 1970s. Again, it was about 90%. Those were real bubbles. As well as earnings and valuations, the other key driver of markets at the moment is interest rates. Here, the last few weeks have seen a notable narrowing in the gap between the market's expectations and those of the Federal Reserve itself. The Fed has been at pains to point out to investors that their hopes for a dramatic reduction in interest rates were probably too optimistic, and belatedly, the penny is starting to drop. The Fed has been saying it expects just three rate cuts this year, half the number that's been priced in by the market. Now investors are getting closer to the Fed's reading of the trajectory of rates. It still expects rates to be 3.7% in 2025, but the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond of 4.25% is now just a percentage point below the Fed funds rate. That's probably good news. It suggests a greater realism about the underlying strength of the economy, and it allows investors to lock in a historically attractive yield while still opening up the possibility of a capital gain too, as inflation continues to fall back to target and rates normalise. Bonds still look like a good diversifier in a balanced portfolio. This week, we should get some more guidance on the Fed's current thinking as the minutes of its most recent rate-setting meeting are published. While the US market continues to surge on the back of the MAG7, the Chinese market remains in the doldrums. As pointed out here several times, Chinese shares are now starting to look attractive from a valuation perspective on around nine times earnings. That's less than half the US market's multiple. But investors are refusing to bite. In fact, they're finding other ways to play the early signs of improvements in the Chinese economy than betting on a rally in the country's stock markets. Instead, they're piling into European luxury goods stocks and other sectors like cars with a big exposure to China. An index of luxury goods shares in Europe, which collectively makes a quarter of its earnings in China, has risen over 9% year-to-date. The rest of the European stock market is broadly flat. That's because investors see European China-focused shares as the safest way of playing the recovery theme. LVMH, for example, is up 9.2% this year, and Hermes is 11.8% higher. Meanwhile, Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen both of which make 30% of their profits in China, are up 7% and 14% in the year so far. China is starting to see a modest improvement in its economy as the government is showing signs of ending its recent resistance to stimulus. Non-manufacturing purchasing managers' indices are at their highest level since September. 
but the CSI 300 index of stocks is still more than 40% below its all-time high of three years ago. And foreign investors in particular still see more risks than opportunities. As they say, the night is darkest before the dawn. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipients. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.